This is episode number 24 with Marla Mattinson. Welcome to your journey to manifesting. My name is Sarah Prout, best-selling author and creator of The Manifesting Academy. Each week, I'll bring you an inspirational message or share powerful conversations with thought leaders, game changers, and light workers. The intention here is to motivate you to create the life of your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. Now let the journey to manifesting begin. Hello, beautiful manifestors. How are you feeling today? I am so excited about today's episode because it is a really powerful topic that I know will help to inspire many of you out there. My guest today is a new friend of mine who I am absolutely delighted to share with you. Her name is Marla Mattinson, and she's a relationship and intimacy expert that specializes in coaching entrepreneur couples that have a desire to learn how to take their drive for success and growth and mindset and spirituality in business and apply it to transform their relationship to not only experience freedom and connection, but to maintain the essence to understand that anything is possible. Marla has a background in neuroscience and mathematics. She's uniquely gifted, and I really mean this, guys. Really tune in to what she says and how she responds to my questions because we cover so many powerful topics that can really be a game changer when it comes to navigating the dynamics of your love life. Her career is over 22 years. It spans over 22 years, and she's helped over 12,000 couples, including Academy Award-winning actors, producers and directors, NBA basketball players and coaches, Grammy Award-winning artists, and millionaire entrepreneurs. Her zone of genius is to really tune in to the core essence of what makes a relationship tick, and she knows how to make it better. Her ideas are pure gold. So I am so excited to share our conversation with you today. And without further ado, this is Marla Mattinson. Welcome to the show, Marla. It is so great to have you here with me. Thank you so much. It's so wonderful to be here with you. So the way I usually start this off is that I ask the question to my guests that they have been invited to a fictitious dinner party and you have three invitations. You can invite anyone dead or alive in history. Who would it be and why? Ooh, dead or alive. Okay. <laughs> I have to say Einstein is is one of them because he was such an out-of-the-box thinker and such a renegade in so many ways. And I feel like I'm being a little traditional here. Gandhi is another <laughs> one. <laughs> Gandhi is another one. And then, you know, I'd have to say my grandfather who passed away a number of years ago, he and I were incredibly close and I really miss him. And he was someone who had a lot of influence on me. He was a very strong man, very stoic. And yet he and I just had this really incredible connection. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd invite him. Sounds like a fun party. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it'll be pretty amazing. A lot of a lively discussion there for sure. <laughs> I bet it's so interesting hearing the different people that people would invite. And usually it is a deceased loved one. I think mm-hmm. I've done this long enough now to to realize that people have the, the strongest connection with the people that they've loved and lost. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be beautiful. <laughs> so tell me about your your passion in life. You're an intimacy and relationship expert that specializes with entrepreneurial couples. Tell me about where that began and what sparked your interest. I love that question. So I started as a doula helping women through labor and delivery of their babies and postpartum in the early 90s. And I was invited into very intimate situations with couples after they had their baby or babies because I ended up specializing in twins. And 
one partner would talk to me about the problems they were having. And then the other partner would talk to me off to the side about the problems they were having. And so I just naturally went into the coaching role to bring them together, to increase their intimacy together and their love for each other through that challenging time of the first year of having a child. And so that's sort of how it all began. It was very organic. And then I ended up, I was very much in the spiritual woo-woo world and still am, even though I work with entrepreneurial couples. Um, and I ended up coaching couples on how to clear karma for their incoming children. And if you can imagine, if your parents did just a little extra work on themselves before you came in, your karmic load would be a little lighter, right? Wow. That's so fascinating. I've never thought of it like that, that you could possibly clear a better path for your kids. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of an interesting philosophy, right? And you and Sean do that already because that's just who you are naturally. So you've already cleared so much for your children. And um, it's something that most people don't really think about. And so that's sort of how a lot of my interest in working with couples started, of course. And then it developed over the course of many years. And I ended up rolling my car down to Panga Canyon, which is a big canyon in Los Angeles. And I walked out without a scratch. And so I really, really deeply listened at that time. And the very clear message was give up your massage clientele. I was also a massage therapist working with couples at that time and only focus on the babies and go back to school and go to medical school, which I thought, really? Okay. All right. (laughs) So I, I, I went back to school and I ended up getting a degree in mathematics and neuroscience and then another degree in mathematics and, you know, twists and turns. And I was still working with couples at the time and coaching couples. And then I worked with inner city kids. I was a a math teacher for seven years in Los Angeles Unified and I worked with families and I also coached on leadership. So, you know, a lot of math teachers like to have their own sort of silo in their own room where they're the in the power position teaching the kids. And then you come together and you want to collaborate and work together. And there wasn't a whole lot of that set up when I you know, started teaching and I really value collaboration. And so I started setting that up in the departments that I was working in. And then I ended up being department chair at one school and a common core coordinator in another. And um, I ended up teaching teachers across the country. And so just the dynamics of relationship in general were, were things that I could see uh, how people are in one area of their life is the same as how they are in another area of their life. And so, as you know, how, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And so I ended up really loving just relationship dynamic in general and specifically the love intimate relationship. And so I focused all my attention on... Of love relationships. And I found over the years that the people I loved working with the most were entrepreneur couples because they were the risk takers. They were the ones who really took action and were really pretty unafraid and unapologetic. And that those are qualities that I absolutely love. I feel like I, uh, I understand the dynamic probably better than a lot of people out there because of Sean and I working together and spending nearly 24 hours a day together and then navigating the the marital side and the parenting side and all of those beautiful dynamics that unfold in that that um, that situation. So I completely get the fascination with it too, because whenever I come across another entrepreneurial couple, I just I kind of know that sometimes appearances can be deceiving because it takes so much work. <laughs> yes, it really does. It really does. And when you're in business together, right, that uh, versus, you know, you're both entrepreneurs, but you have different businesses, there are different dynamics that happen. You know, if one uh, member of the couple is an entrepreneur and the other is an employee or a stay-at-home parent, um, you know, there's lots of different dynamics that happen there. But when both are entrepreneurs and they're both in the same business, I find that that's a really special, unique case. And that is our favorite type of a couple to work with because they're so dedicated to both the business and the relationship. Well, there's so many different um, energetics behind it as well, the the power balance and striking the balance between the masculine and the feminine as well. So I've had to learn to back down in many ways as well. (laughs) 
Ooh, can I can I talk about that for a minute? Because that is one of my favorite things to talk about. Okay, yeah. So here's the thing: the masculine, feminine. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> we don't believe in the masculine, feminine. We believe in a gender spectrum. And that each individual has full access to an entire gender spectrum. And that at times, especially in my business, I will be more in the masculine in the gender spectrum. And then in my relationship, because I'm a woman, I will be more skewed in the feminine. And if I bring more of my masculine role to um, my relationship then I'm missing something in terms of surrender. I'm missing something in terms of relaxing and really resting in my partner. And, you know, so when we have this full access to the gender spectrum, when we think of ourselves as full gender spectrum individuals, then we, we don't have to claim, I want to be more in my feminine in my business. I want to be more in my masculine. You have it already. It's already there. It's a choice of which part of you you're going to bring out at any given time. That's a total game changer. I've never heard the term gender spectrum before. <laughs> Do you like it? Okay. I and- love it. I absolutely love it because I feel like, you know, we've, we've read books uh, by David Dider. Are you familiar with his book? I am f- and, very familiar with him, yes. I feel like to a certain extent that works, but you can't always, 100% of the time, ground yourself in a specific gendered energy. There are some times I have to pull on my my masculine pants and walk out there in the world. But I, I have noticed that those are times that Sean and I don't come together if I am too masculine or if he's too feminine. Right. So it, it's, it, it's so interesting to strike that balance, especially if you want to continue having sex. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we have to have that polarity. Yeah. So if I bring my badass business self to my relationship, um, there are going to be some problems. Yeah. <laughs> going to be some problems. <laughs> right. It's so fascinating. And you've worked with over 12,000 couples now. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's been a long road. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing when I really stop to think about it. You know, when you, when you, over time, you put your bio together and you do the work to take a look and see, well, what have I done? There's too much to put in a bio, first of all. Yeah. And then you think, wow, that's a lot of people over time. And you know, there's so many more couples who still need and really desire to learn how to have more of a growth mindset in their relationship. Mm. And do you believe that that's probably one of the biggest blocks that couples have, that they might be growing in different directions or they want different things? I think that when we go, I think oftentimes we go on default in our relationship, like especially as entrepreneurs, because one of the things that we do is we just kind of go along day by day because we're just kind of trying to survive in the business and figure it out. And we're not necessarily planning a ton in advance. We're, especially those of us who have a lot of opportunities coming our way, you know, kind of managing those things. And eventually you want to get to the place where you are planning things in advance and you are able to say no to opportunities that arise that are not really in alignment with your vision, but you can't say no to things unless you have a vision. So having a common vision in both business and relationship is something that I always suggest because having the relationship vision, then we can ask ourselves, okay, when I get too busy, am I still in alignment with my relationship vision? Am I bringing myself to my relationship vision in the way that is the most excellent version of myself, the most elevated, the most loving and kind version, and the most unapologetic, you know, the meaning in a loving, kind way, how can I actually ask for what I want and not just expect that my partner is going to know what I want mm. when, you know, we'll play the waiting game and, and, you know, assume that my partner is going to know exactly what I want, even if we've been together for many, many years. Instead, of course, what do we want to do? We want to be explicit, unapologetic. Yeah, here's what I want. So let me set you up for success for holidays and birthdays and, you know, all of the special occasions that occur. Let me, I'll let you know what I actually am, am desiring so that you can fulfill it. Because most of our partners, all they want to do is make us happy. Mm. Yeah. Or they're playing out their patterns of pain from childhood and trauma. Yes. The flip side of that. And I see that with a lot of my students in the Manifesting Academy, the fact that they consider leaving because their partner's not growing spiritually or interested in the metaphysical side of things at the same pace. And they make that wrong. And I feel like they're missing a very valuable lesson. 
Uh, okay, you brought up something really important there. You brought up the idea of the same pace. Now, there are two issues there. One is if the partner is not interested at all in spiritual issues or anything or spiritual development, that is an issue. And that is something that you just stay, if you love this person, you stay in the relationship, you do your thing, you do your growth, and it may inspire them to be on their own path. If it doesn't, eventually that relationship will probably end. Mm-hmm. However, on the other side, if the other person is interested in spiritual development and spiritual growth, but just is not the same pace as you, that is called acceptance. <laughs> you have to accept your partner for their pace. Like I'm always going to be faster than my partner. He is an amazing person. He's an incredible business owner and he doesn't move as fast as I do. I will always move faster than him because it's just my nature. And if I judge him for it, I'm missing out on all the goodness of how he goes at his pace. Yeah, there's, there is that missing link in that dynamic too, that people do need to get to that point of detaching from judgment of the other person and, and also releasing their expectations. So it comes back to what you were saying about expecting your partner to be a mind reader as well. Unless you have these open dialogues about the different ways that we process information or make decisions or approach uh, growth and spirituality, then it's just going to be a mess. It's going to be like a tent. Yes. slinky, you know. Yeah. Oh my goodness, that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Tangled slinky because it gets so messy and then people argue and then they forget why they're arguing. And once you build up that resentment within the relationship, that's really hard to get over and it manifests in different ways such as hiding shopping tags and, you know, <laughs> hiding oh, the credit yes. card bill or, you know, texting with somebody online and and I think that's probably where the the uh, fracture in the foundation sometimes happens because of that. I mean, it just doesn't take much time to just sit down and nut it out together. Yeah, you have to have the desire for it. You mentioned something earlier about playing out their pain and trauma from childhood. And so one of the things that I teach in my coaching is how to use your relationship as the vehicle for your own personal transformation. Wow, I love that. Right. And so if you find that you're in pain, you're in resentment, you're in some sort of suffering in your relationship, that the idea is that you look internally, that you get reflective, that you ask yourself, what is really going on inside of me? And how can I take a hundred percent responsibility for this experience? And how can I then be kind and loving with myself first and fill my own well, and then turn to look, how can I bring myself even more loving to this situation where I don't feel good. I don't feel happy and joyous, mm-hmm. you know, authentically. How can I turn even slightly to be more open to hearing what my partner has to say? So, because if you're bringing pain and trauma from your childhood into the relationship, which we all do on some level, yeah. you know, if we're doing that more often than not, then that's one of the things that causes resentment in relationship because you know that you're not responsible for your partner's happiness. Your partner is responsible for their own happiness. You can contribute to their happiness and you can make things more difficult for them, Mm. but really it's each person's individual responsibility for their own happiness and to claim it for themselves. Just, okay, just yesterday, Julian and I were getting ready in the bathroom together and I, I don't know, I woke up a little cranky even after saying some mantras and everything, I woke up a little cranky and I, I turned to him and I asked him kind of a pointed question. I don't even remember what the question was, but it was a pointed question and he, in a very playful, loving tone said, I'm not falling for you this, I'm not going to get in a conflict with you, you know, and he did a little dance. It was very I love it. <laughs> right? It was kind of amazing. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, that's amazing. That is totally us. You know, one of us ha- tries to do a little poke. That's the playing out the pain. Somehow I had some sort of pain going on. And he said, I'm not falling for it, honey. And I love you so much. I'm going to sing a little song and do a little jig for you that, you know, you won't, you couldn't help but actually come out of it. And so 
that's what I did. Of course, you know, we, we practice everything we teach. And, and so, you know, the idea of course is how can you be playful when you're coming out of some sort of negativity? I, I love that. And uh, well, Sean and I are like that as well, that with those pattern interrupts, but there are times when we both get sucked into this vortex where one of us will, you know, lash out and then the other will react. And it takes a lot of willpower to remain strong and not to react and to remember that you have the power to guide that emotional landscape in any direction that you desire. <laughs> yes. Yes. And so when you're, when you create a vision together of your relationship, you know, how basically what are the qualities that you want to cultivate over your lifetime together with your partner. And so the idea is, you know, are in the moment of a conflict, we teach how, how to use conflict as a way to connect because you can use anything as a way to connect. So when we're in a conflict, that just means one or both of us is suffering. Where's the compassion? It flies right out the window, right? Flies right out the window. So one of us tries to remember, Hey, compassion, Where's the kindness? And so we take a moment and each of us sort of channels our own compassion for ourselves first. You have to fill your own well first and then we turn towards each other. Oh, I love that so much. And I love, oh, I just, I just love everything to do with the relationship, relationship <laughs> dynamics because it's like, oh, it's, it speaks so much truth because there's so much work out there that needs to be done with these couples because there are so many children that are suffering because mm. parents aren't getting their shit together and they're fighting in front of the kids or they're not learning how to fight fair. And there are so many powerful spiritual tools that they could have in their toolbox. So what would be... If you could give somebody a powerful piece of advice that would help to spark their relationship and headed into a different direction, what would it be? I would say, ask yourself if you truly want to be the best version of yourself in this lifetime. That's the number one question. Do I want to be the best version of myself in this lifetime? Or do I just want to live a status quo mediocre relationship in my life, right? Do I want to be in a mediocre relationship or do I want to live what we call the exquisite life? And if, if you really have a desire to live your own best life, then bringing that idea to your partner as, Hey babe, I realized I listened to a cool podcast with Sarah Prout and I realize I want to live my absolute best version of myself in this lifetime. Do you also have a desire to do that? And if you can get on the same page that, yes, I do want to be the best version of myself, not only for me, but for my partner, for my children, for my children's children, you know, for, you know, the world at large, that I have a bigger vision. And part of it is I want to be the best version of me. And if you can get you and your partner be on the same page with that basic concept, then every single thing that occurs throughout the day, you ask yourselves, is this you being the best you? Is this me being the best me? And so that's the new level of normal, right? Hashtag new normal, yeah. right? <laughs> Which is, right? So the new normal is, hey, in every scenario, even when, because you can't cut it out, right? You can't stop being human. We have anger. We have resentment. We have these things that arise. Then we have to say to ourselves, I said to Julian a couple months ago, hey, babe, I realize I've got some resentment brewing. I didn't realize it, but I've got some brewing. I really need to um, vent it out with you. We've got a process on venting. And that venting process is so helpful because you just, you know, your, your partner metaphorically puts on a hazmat suit. They put the gloves on, they put the whole suit on, they put the, the, the helmet on. They're like, okay, I'm ready. Right. And then you just go ahead and vent and that, and your partner takes nothing personally, even if you use their name and they, you know, and then they reflect back something that they heard and they ask, Hey, did I read, did I I get all of it? Did I get all of what you, did I miss anything? Yeah. I still wanted you to reflect this thing too. Okay, great. And you repeat it back. Even if you, it's something nasty, it doesn't matter. Repeat it back because we need to be heard, right? We need to be heard. And then when your partner feels heard, then they're so ready to connect. That's all that they needs to happen. They need to feel 
heard and not judged. So if you can agree that you want to be the best version of yourselves in this lifetime and you want to do it together, then you use your business as a vehicle for personal transformation. You use your relationship as the vehicle for personal transformation, which is, hey, if I'm upset about something, that's my material. I claim it. I own it. I take responsibility for it. When I get angry, when I get controlling, when I get pissy, I own it. Hey, I'm feeling pissy right now. So you might want to stand clear, <laughs> you know? It's like a tsunami early warning system. Clear exactly. the beaches. Bing, bing, bing. Seek right? ground. Yeah. <laughs> Seek higher ground somewhere away from me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because I'll go there sometimes because I'm human. It's not about being positive and happy all the time. It's impossible. You can't. And if you think you can, then you're pursuing the wrong path. And I, you know, I don't like to use the word wrong all that often, but it's wrong to try to be happy all the time. It's not possible. Oh, Marla, you're preaching to the choir here. I mean, I love that. I love the fact that, you know, we don't have to obtain this, uh, this perfection with the way that we approach everything. We can't be positive all the time because we can leverage the negative energy to get to a better space. Yes. Yes. I love it. <laughs> and, that, and you know, the, the truth is, is that if you want to live a really, truly freedom-based life, then you have to be able to be yourself, not just hide out when you're feeling negative. If you have your partner and you both agreed, we want to be the best versions of ourselves in this lifetime, that doesn't mean that you're not nasty every once in a while. It doesn't mean you don't get angry. It doesn't mean you don't get pissy. It means that when it happens, you train yourself to acknowledge it 100%. You look deeply at it. You see if there's anything you can do about it. And what happens is because you're not trying to push it away, it naturally has a shorter duration in time because you're not trying to push it away and resist it. And it has a, a, a smaller, lower intensity level because, you're, again, you're not trying to make it wrong. And that's freedom. Freedom is I get to be all of who I am, all the good, the bad, and the ugly in my relationship, in my business, in my life, I get to be totally unapologetic because I'm not trying to cut any part out of myself. I, I integrate everything of who I am. And that's what I'm loved for in my relationship. Mm. Oh, it's powerful stuff. So with, with the people that you have worked with, has there ever been a case where you've told the, the couple that they shouldn't be together? That is an amazing question. I've never told a couple that they shouldn't be together. I don't feel that that's my place to say. I What I do is I, I'm very logical with my coaching, right? So I have my background is in math and neuroscience. And so I see pathways that I believe that if two people love each other deeply, I can always help them find a pathway to work things out. Now, if they're not willing to do the work, and, you know, if one person is just not willing to surrender to the process, then it probably will end. But I would never tell them that it would end. I would say, here are going to be the challenges and I'll list them all. When she does this and you do that, if you refuse to surrender here, then that's going to be a problem and you'll never work through it. Right. But if you can change this slightly and, and she changes that slightly, then yes, you can work through that and get an outcome that you're both looking for. So that's kind of that's how I handle that one. Oh, it'd be it'd be challenging, that's for sure. And I, I see this in my work, these couples and they they say things to me like, She does this and he does this and I know that they're not gonna get on the same page because they want different things. And I, I think people are so afraid of divorce too. And sometimes I think it can be a positive thing. I mean, it was for me. Getting divorced was the best thing that I ever did. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I'm divorced also. So is Julian. He's divorced also. It's funny because I have a friend who has this law firm in Atlanta called Happily Ever After Divorce. <laughs> and she basically, she's a lawyer and she teaches couples how to go through divorce and still be very loving towards each other and have all the, the exes get along and, and like that. So it's very uh, possible to get divorced and be very happy and then leave yourself open for the, the relationship that's actually going to feed your soul. Yeah, I remember I got divorced eight years ago now and uh, Sean was with me at the time in the divorce court. So oh. <laughs> getting married, oh, wow. getting divorced from 
my first husband sitting next to my second husband, even though we weren't <laughs> married yet. And it was, uh, they were done in batches by the judge. And so there were all of these different couple combinations and some of them were sitting on opposite ends of the room. And then there was a vast majority of them that were just sitting there together and they were going to go out and have a drink after it was all finalized. Oh, I love that. I loved it. And every time the judge would decree that the divorce was final, you could almost see the energy lifting off these women's shoulders. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. You're gone. You're free and free to uh, not take the baggage from the last relationship into a new one. <laughs> I love that. It's a, it's a real clearing and a cleansing, you know, that, that divorce process can be very loving and healing. It really can. Yeah. And then, you know, in a new relationship, when you really want to set it up for success, you have to be honest with each other and say, what are the red flags? Truly, what are the red flags that we both see? And if you can express that to each other right from the beginning, like, hey, red flag for me is this. Red flag for me is this. And you're honest with each other. Then from the beginning, you can just say, wow, I, well, if, if let's say cigarette smoking is a red flag for you and it's a deal breaker and that person's never going to quit time to leave, just leave in the very beginning. Don't even start. Right. Um, and, and if you're someone, obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you're someone who really cares about growth and spiritual work. If you're dating someone who is not on a spiritual path at all and not open to it, don't go there. Just keep move along right um if you're if you're dating somebody who is open for the spiritual path but just not quite on it then keep going keep going because you can inspire each other and bring more connection to each other through shared experiences right that's one of the best ways to celebrate life together is to have shared experiences where one person shares hey here's here's what i'm into and you know I'd love to see what are you into and genuinely be honest. Don't say that you love, you know, going to paintball, uh, you know, for the weekend, (laughs) you know, if that's not your, if that's not your jam, you know, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Go paintballing for Valentine's day. What a great idea. (laughs) Very Romantic Marla. It can be, I guess if you're both into that, it's not my gig, but you know, Hey, I'd rather go to a spa. <laughs> Me too. And then paintballing. No, the other way around. <laughs> right, 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 right. You get dirty first and then, you know, clean it up. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So oh, I'm trying to think of the direction that I want to take this now to help as many people as possible, because this is definitely your zone of genius. What about couples that have experienced infidelity? How oh yeah. Do you help to uh, repair the wounds that can sometimes not be repaired? Right. Okay. I love it. You go right in. That's what I love about you. Infidelity is a symptom. Okay. Infidelity is, first of all, before you get to actual physical infidelity, there are steps that have been taken, right? If you, if you kind of rewind in your mind, the whole film of from when the infidelity happened all the way back to the first moment that the partner thought about having an affair, Mm -hmm. a lot of things happened right along the way in order to have that occur. And if you are Uh, in a partnership where you really love each other and one person chose to consciously or unconsciously chose to um, have an affair. The idea here is, do you want to repair it? Right. Do you want to work on, on this to actually come out and emerge stronger as a couple? Because if you think that the person who cheated is a hundred percent wrong and the, uh, and the other person is a hundred percent the victim, then that's the first issue because that's not the case. Because the person who did not cheat still participated along the way in some way. There's something that the person who didn't cheat did or didn't do that wasn't fulfilling, wasn't connecting in some way that the other person felt that it was somehow okay in their mind 
to leave the marriage, if it, obviously it's a monogamous marriage or a monogamous relationship, to go cheat. And I don't say this lightly because this is this is not true in all scenarios. There are some people who have more of you know a sociopathic personality or a narcissistic personality where it doesn't matter what the partner does, that person's going to go off and cheat. And that's not the kind of person I'm talking about. I'm talking about healthy couples who one partner cheats and feels terrible about it, like didn't want to really go down that road because they they know how much it hurt their partner. I'm talking about those couples where it's really a symptom of something else. Cheating is the most childish thing you can do in a relationship. Oh yeah, and I did it myself when I was married to my first husband, and that's that was kind of the catalyst for the big breakup because right. I've been through the 10 years of domestic violence and I was leaving one man for another and it didn't work. And my mother did it. And it was a pattern that I saw in my early twenties of my mother and blowing up her 29 year marriage. And I thought, oh, that's, that seems like the, the least amount of emotional responsibility. I'll do it that way rather than taking ownership for how I was feeling and then consciously uncoupling. Exactly. So, so it's a way out, right? It's the most, um, it's really one of the most unhealthy, childish ways out. And I did it in my early twenties. Um, I cheated on my boyfriend at the time and, and then lied about it, of course. And then finally, you know, he found out and it's because I wanted out of that relationship, but didn't know how to have a healthy ending. I didn't know how to get out in a loving way. So I just got out any way I could. And I knew like he would never stand for someone who cheated on him. Now, in in a relationship where one person cheats, where it, it's like a mistake, they didn't really want to do that. It was, it's a, it's something they actually want to reconnect on. The the there's something going on in what I call the ma pa dynamic. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's one person is the parent and one person is the child in the relationship, and the the person who cheats is the child in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at and this comes back to that gender spectrum issue that we talked about earlier. It's like if let's say in a heterosexual relationship, if the woman is more skewed in her masculine and she's more skewed in, you know, nagging or do this, or you never do that, then the partner, if he's not able to turn towards his partner to say, Hey, I don't need to be treated like a child. Just let, you know, tell me what you need and I'm going to do it. Right. And then they'll get it done. If on the other hand, that person, you know, the partner has to say it over and over and it never gets done. And, you know, that, then that partner who is, you know, cheating is turning into the child more and more and they're resisting and they're getting, you know, um, you know, they're getting into their, no, I don't want to do it. I want to do what I want to do. Right. And and that dynamic of that parent child dynamic is so unsexy. It is so unsexy unsexy, I can't even tell you, right? It's like, nobody wants to have sex with their parent, right? And no healthy person. It's so common, Marla. I remember many years ago dropping my kids off at school. I don't do that anymore. But the women would complain about their their husbands, and I nearly said children, as if they (laughs) are children. Right. (laughs) It's so strange. They'd complain about them leaving laundry on the floor or that they're just watching the football. And it's this constant energy of complaint that does create that dynamic. Exactly. Yeah. So, so when, and, and this is really challenging for a lot of women is, you know, if you're with a partner and they leave all their stuff on the floor all the time and it's starting to bother you, you have to pick your battles. If you're the one that's saying, pick up your stuff, pick up your stuff, pick up your stuff, you are turning into the mother and you are killing the passion in your relationship. So you have to stop that behavior first by stopping a nag and instead have in a, when the laundry's not all over the floor, right? You have a very calm, loving conversation with your partner to say, Hey, I just want to let you know, I really don't like it when you leave your stuff on the floor. Would you be willing to make a bigger effort? Because, and you have to tell your partner the why, Mm -hmm. because partners are never going to do anything over a long period of time unless they understand why is it so important to you. So you have to tell them why from a feeling perspective. When I come back into the bathroom and the towels on the floor, it makes me anxious. I literally start to feel anxiety and it, it kind of like ruins my day, which so it would be, it would be such a simple thing for you to 
pick up the towel and, and to put it back on the thing. And if not, then, um, I'm going to practice leaving it there. I'm not going to pick it up for you. So probably the next day you're going to have a moldy wet towel if you don't pick it up, which if that's okay with you, that's cool. But I'm not going to pick it up anymore and I'm not going to tell you to pick it up. So I hope that you will practice picking it up, you know, more and more. And every once in a while, if you forget, that's fine. But more often than not, if you can just really make an effort because it really, really stimulates my anxiety. If you tell your partner the truth of what's really going on for you, instead of just nagging, Mm. they're way more likely to actually do something about it. But if they don't understand why it's so important to you, then they think you're just telling them what to do. And they experience that in childhood and they don't want to experience that again. And anyway, those are the first parts that actually lead to cheating. Because when you treat your, 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 your um, partner like a child, then they start going into childish actions and more and more childish actions. And they see what they can get away with and how they can be secretive and how they can do this and then start flirting. Ooh, I'm flirting. I'm getting away with it. Ooh, I'm doing this. I'm getting away with it. And the other partner doesn't realize that they're perpetuating that childish behavior that eventually can turn to infidelity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. (laughs) My heart goes out to anybody that can empathize with what we're talking about right now and has been through that or is currently going through that as well. (laughs) Make sure if your partner does pick up the towel that you definitely praise them for it as well. Thank you for saying that. Praise. Okay. When you're trying to come out of this parent-child dynamic, (laughs) you praise any little thing they do in the positive right? Any little thing. Yeah. It's so important. I'm so glad you brought that in. I remember hearing Marianne Williamson uh, speak in a lecture and she said, men want their uh, thoughts to be respected. They want to feel heard. Whereas women want their emotions to be understood. And I thought that was interesting. What are your thoughts on that? So men want their thoughts, say say it again. Men want their thoughts to be respected. So the things that they present, their ideas, whatever it is to be heard and respected, whereas women want their emotions to be understood. Yes. Yes. I totally, totally agree with that. So for men, it's so interesting. It's like, even if you don't agree with your man, if you respect that he has an opinion, that he has a thought about something and you honor it and you, re- you actually reflect it back to him. So what I, so you're saying that you think that we should, uh, do this tonight, or you're saying that we should, you know, do this with our finances or something, even just reflecting that back. So he feels heard. So he feels like, Oh, when we feel heard, that activates the, I feel respected in a man. Mm. And similarly for a woman. So we want to feel understood. Well, guess what? We're never going to be understood completely by our men because they don't have the same wiring as we do. It's true. <laughs> and so instead of wanting to be understood, the, the next very close flavor to that is to feel heard. And so when your partner reflects back exactly what you're saying to them, right? If I say, you know, I'm really angry that da 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 happened and he reflects back to me. So I'm totally hearing that you're angry that da 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 happened. Then I I feel heard. And what that translates to in my mind is I feel understood. And we don't have to agree. This is the thing is that just because he reflects back for me doesn't mean he agrees with me. It means that he hears me and that he's honoring the fact that I have a different opinion than him, or I have a different experience. I'm living in a whole different body than he is. So of course I'm going to have a totally different experience. That's so fascinating. What about the idea of making your partner number one over and above the children? How do you feel about that? Okay. So I have one and one A. Okay. So (laughs) you are always your own number one. Yeah. Okay. So you're period, the end, you are your own number one, your partner is one a, and I agree. So when your partner is one a then, and the children are after that, everything runs harmoniously because the the children, when, when we make children, number one, and this is very controversial, of mm-hmm. course, but, right? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it. Um, when the children are number one, then they learn that they are the center of the universe and they become very um, self-centered, narcissistic based 
children and they become very entitled where they think that they're number one. But when instead, when the relationship is number one, right? When the relationship between the partners is number one, then what they're learning is they're not the center of the universe. And I'm witnessing my, my parents or my family, I'm witnessing them loving each other, putting each other first so that they can have a happy full family. And then the children learn how to have healthy relationships as opposed to being the number one. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh, it's so important. Yeah. Uh, yes. I'm very passionate about this. And uh, Sean and I did a relationship course and any couples counseling that we've ever done. They've always said that you need to make each other number one, but now it's number one A. I like that a lot. <laughs> it's one A. It's yeah, right. so helpful, you know, because we do need to fill our cups up first. We do need to have this healthy level of self-love in order to be able to give to somebody else. Yes. Yes. And, and we, we like to call it your bandwidth. Like what's your bandwidth right now? So let's say, you know, from zero, meaning you're totally asleep and you're replenishing to uh, 10, which is I have boundless energy. I'm ready to do everything. So we like to check in with each other before we talk about something important or before we're to, you know, if we're in the middle of a conflict, we might just say, Hey, hold on a second. What's your bandwidth right now? And he might say, I'm at a two. And I'm like, "Uh Oh, that means number one, he's probably Probably hungry. Number two, he's like really not in a great mood, right? And so, and I'll say, oh, I'm at an eight. That means I need to be the one to have a lot of patience in this conversation. Mm. Oh, I love see. That. I love this. Like this super quick check-in. Yeah, that's yeah. so helpful. It, it's incredibly helpful for people to have that awareness that they can just not see it and say it. And I think we're so reactive in our relationships that we don't take the time to just pause and go, okay, how can I handle this situation just a little bit better? Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, when you're actually practicing really using your relationship as the vehicle for personal transformation, you want to bring your best self. So when I you know, when I know I'm in a low energy place, like let's say I've been traveling and, uh, you know, I have a big thing going on, you know, launching all kinds of things and, you know, and also I didn't get a great night's sleep or whatever is going on. If I say to my partner at the beginning of the day, Hey, FYI, my bandwidth is really low today. I'm literally like five and below. I I don't know what's going on, but you know, maybe I'm fighting off something. Then he can just bring more compassion all from the beginning of the day, right? Or, you know, let's say we go or separate for the day and, and then we come back together and we're working on something. At some point, if there starts to be a little bit of, of a conflict that starts to spark, we can check in. What's your bandwidth, babe? You know, where are you at? He's like, hold on. You know what? I'm at a three, but I'm going to go for a 10 minute walk and I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back a seven. Mm, that's good. The re- and so we can, yeah, you go recharge, right? You go do a, a short meditation, you listen to an audio, you take a quick shower, you put a cool cloth, you use your aromatherapy. We got all our tools, right? I got my selenite crystal, like, you know, always cleansing, you know, <laughs> we got all our things. And then you go and then you check in. And when he comes back, he goes, actually, I'm an eight, baby. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> and that's good. Getting rid of the immediacy or the urgency of the situation too. It's so yes. good to have that as a blank canvas to work through anything. It really is wonderful. And it's great in the middle of a conflict. You can just say, hey, press pause. Let's press pause for a second here. What's your bandwidth right now? Because I'm feeling like I'm, I'm being more aggressive than normal. And I feel like you're responding more aggressive than normal. So like, let's just check in what's going on. We actually have a safety word that we use <laughs> sometimes. You know how they have that in like bondage situations? Yes. <laughs> so that's one of the conflict resolution techniques that we were given to have like a little safety word. And I think it was mission control, which is two words, but. <laughs> oh, I love it. We, we have one that actually Julian uses with his daughter. So he has a, an amazing eight-year-old daughter from his first marriage that we co-parent and, and we have an incredible relationship with his ex also. Yeah. And, um, and their safety word in general uh, is the one we use also, which is sincerely, Ooh. sincerely. Like I'm really asking you to stop or I'm really <laughs> need, right? Sincerely. That's just, everybody pause. Okay. Let's just, and everybody back off for a second. Yeah. Everyone back down to their own corners. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what, it, in terms of love language, what's your love language? How do you like to receive romance or gestures of um, affection? Oh, I am 
uh, tied for quality time and physical touch. Like that is, you know, like buying gifts and things like that. Um, it's just never been a thing for me. Um, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I think it's like a fun surprise, but quality time together and physical touch are just high, high, high. And, <laughs> and same with Julian, like he has, he has the same love languages. It's really amazing. That, that's really good. I have, uh, I'm a gifts of service type of girl. I like gifts of service, but, oh, but Sean's nice. a physical touch guy. And, and so we do have like a little bit of mismatch in, in terms of our love languages. What suggestion could you give us or anybody else? out there that might be experiencing this. Oh, I love that. So I, first of all, the five love, love languages is a great thing. It's a free quiz online, just search, you know, love languages and you can find out what your love languages are if you haven't already, cause they're super fun. And when you have different love languages, number one, it's a conversation. Okay. So the conversation is, wow, I just took this quiz and I realized that I love gifts and you love physical touch. I don't love physical touch. So what do we do about that? So you have an open conversation. Okay. Well, physical touch, what does that mean to you? Cause I don't want to give you, I don't want to like rub your feet if that's not what's <laughs> going to fill your well, you know what I mean? <laughs> but if let's say, um, passing in the hallway, uh, giving a hug for 30 seconds is something that will fill your well. Or, um, you know, when you're standing at the, at the sink doing some dishes, if I come by and I rub your low back, will that work? You know, like what, what does physical touch mean to you? Is, does that mean sex? Does that mean, um, kissing? Does that mean holding hands in public? Does that mean when we're laying on the couch, you know, that my legs are always on top of yours? Like, you know, what does that mean to you? Because if you're with a a partner who physical touch is their love language, then you have to get really clear on what that means Mm -hmm. because you could be trying to fill their well of physical touch and missing the mark. Like if, if a neck rub, you know, one of the things Julian loves is he loves his face massaged. And so if I say it, let's say I can tell he's having like a tough day or something. Uh, I'll say, would you like a face rub? And he'll immediately, his whole face just soften. And he's like, yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And that will just send him right into feeling relaxed. And so obviously I want to love and partner. Uh-oh, Mala, you've dropped out. If um, acts of service is the one that works for you, that means that if if there are dishes in the sink and and he sees them and you see them and you're busy and you're working on something and they're still not done and he's sitting there doing nothing and they're still not done, they're still not you're like why aren't those dishes done? <laughs> you can use that as a way to get angry. Uh, or you can use it as a way to be playful to say, Hey babe, do you want to fill my love language cup? <laughs> I love the fact that you just brought up the, the theme of playfulness, because I feel like we all take our relationships and our roles in life so fucking serious. Oh my God. And that it's so it's- important. Like every morning in the kitchen, Sean and I have like a dance party where we'll turn oh. you know, like 90s music or 80s music or whatever we're feeling. And we'll just be silly. You know, there's lots of like play. We're totally catching over tomorrow morning. <laughs> I mean, for us, it's always like playing pranks or jumping out at each other and scaring the shit out of one another. But there's always so much joy. And I feel like if you're walking through life with your loved one, you really have to take the time to be playful. Yes. It's just so funny you say that. We call Julian the master of play. <laughs> he is the master of play and um, he activates all the play inside of me. I think that playfulness and genuine joy are things that are absolutely missing in most relationships. Like you said, it just gets so fucking serious and it's not that serious. Like we make it so serious, but it's really not. It's, it's so uh, easy to get stuck in that... Uh, in that rut of, well, things have to go this way. Why do they have to go that way? Why are you so serious about it? What if your partner has an even better way, but you're, you can't even see it because you're so stuck on your way. If you bring playfulness in, then you can say, Hey baby, I got an idea. Are you open to hear it? You know? And, um, 
first of all, I think any kind of musical theater helps. So if you can <laughs> sing your idea, I think that's always really helpful. Um, and even if you're a terrible singer, it's even more fun if you're a terrible singer because it's so funny. <laughs> that I can verify that one. Absolutely. Right? Right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Bringing playfulness in in any way you abs- can is a game changer in relationship, especially if you're in a rut in some way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I just love playing pranks. I don't know. It just feeds my soul. It's <laughs> just trying to, we have a bit of one-upmanship going on, like who can prank each other more. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I don't, I don't do pranks. Um, I'm like, oh, it's so funny to hear you say that because I love that you and him are on the same page with that. For me, so, okay, there's a difference between pranks and sarcasm, right? Yeah. So pranks are playful, fun things that maybe scare you or, you know, or, or activate something fun in you. Sarcasm to me is more like saying something that is a little hurtful in a playful way that actually is kind of what you want to actually say. Mm. It's actually revealing a little bit of the truth. Sarcasm always has a little bit of truth in it. And so for me, I much prefer just straight communication. Just tell me the real deal. Tell me what's really going on. We don't have to, you know, hide it in any kind of sarcasm. But um, yeah, the pranks, I don't know, man. I'm so sensitive. I'm so sensitive. I feel like I would take it wrong and then like run the wrong, run the wrong way. (laughs) It's interesting because we're usually in the same kind of energetic groove when it happens. Like sometimes I'll get a little bit hyperactive before we go to sleep at night. And (laughs) Sean will be like, no, Sarah, no, not in the mood. And then it will, it'll switch. It's like, (laughs) it's like a relay sometimes with the energetics between us that sometimes one of us is really high vibing, but then the other time we're not in the mood. So it's fantastic when we're both in the mood though. I love it. I really, really like that. Like when you, when you, okay. When you were talking about playfulness, you know, sometimes every once in a while, you know, we'll be laying in bed and usually in the morning and after we do a little morning routine, sometimes we'll get back in bed and, and, um, you know, one of us will be on a cell phone looking at Instagram or something like that, just playing a little bit, looking on there. And then if one, if the other partner is kind of in the mood and, and, if I, I have learned that if I just say, Hey, will you put your phone down? It doesn't work. It's more like I have to get in the playful mood and then, you know, be super playful, like, like a panda bear, just sort of like climbing all over him until he's like, Oh my God, I can't help it. You know, yeah. <laughs> so that playful, you know, like all relationships have their own little fun, you know, we call it, of course, single servings, right? You know, Julian will do a little jig or something. And, and, you know, we walk around, uh, in our bedroom, we walk around naked a lot and, you know, we'll do little jigs and whatnot. And it's just so fun, you know, it just keeps it light. It's like, ah, I'm the only one that gets to see that, you know, it's so fun. Well, I, I, my heart goes out to people that don't experience that. And, mm-hmm. and I do put out the invitation to not take life so seriously because, you know, I feel sorry for those women that, you know, have to put on a full face of makeup before they see their partner partner in the morning. Do you know what you're talking about? Uh, Have you ever experienced those kind of women? You know, I don't tend to attract those kind of women that to work with me. I, um, I don't think I've ever worked with someone who couldn't just be natural that their partner didn't totally love them natural, you know? Yeah, um, I haven't seen it that often, but there are a few mothers at specific schools that my kids have been uh, at over the years. And my mom used to be like that. She used to, you know, go to bed with her mascara on and put on lipstick first thing in the morning. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, did you see, did you watch, do you watch, um, what is it, Grace and Frankie? No. The, with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin? No, it's yeah, it's a, it's a show on Netflix. And um, there, anyway, there was an episode recently, Jane Fonda plays like a 70 year old woman mm-hmm. um, on, on the show. And, uh, and she's dating a younger man and she spends all this time getting ready. And even in the middle of the night, she'll wake up and get ready in the bathroom so she can roll over and be like, Oh, I'm so tired, you know? <laughs> and then basically he's like, I want to spend more time with you. And she's like, well, you don't because you don't know what this really looks like. And she takes all her makeup off, um, right on the show and is like, this is what you're going to get. And he's like, yeah, I want that basically. And he kisses her. So beautiful. it's really, I loved that because yeah, I put on a face, you know, I put on makeup and whatnot, but Julian loves me with no makeup. Yeah. I I love that. Oh, that makes my heart sing. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Marla. It was such a pleasure to have this conversation with you. Oh yeah, it's so good. I would love if um, if any of your listeners um, are entrepreneurs and have any questions about relationship and entrepreneurship. Um, I'm not sure if you uh, know completely, but you know we have the entrepreneur.com has just started our. Dear Marla column. So we have a relationship column for entrepreneurs in Entrepreneur Magazine Online. And that just launched and we're super excited about it. And if anybody has any questions, we might feature one of their questions. If they they could just go to my website and there's a a click link for Ask Dear Marla a question and uh, be happy to answer any of the questions from your listeners. I'll be making sure that I add all of the links on the show notes for this episode. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay, Marla, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sarah. So can you see why I love Marla so much? She is such a kindred spirit with so much incredible advice and wisdom to share with the world. And just like I mentioned, if you'd like to know more about today's episode, you can go to sarahprout.com forward slash podcast for more information about how you can connect with Marla. And if you would like to take your own relationship and manifestation of a soulmate to the next level, make sure you check out the Manifesting Academy. The Manifesting Academy has so many different lessons and meditations to help you attract whatever it is that you want to manifest into your life. We have so many incredible tools and rituals and powerful processes that will really help you to not only raise your vibration, but to help you to get into the right emotional and energetic space to welcome into your life the things that you really desire. So if that sounds good, and if you're even just a little bit curious about how you can take your life to the next level, go to manifestingacademy.com for more information. As always, it was such a pleasure to spend this time with you today. And until next time, enjoy your journey to manifesting.